Scott, I know this is a little bit different, but this is Scott Kaufman, and his claim to fame is that he's Kim Kaufman's brother. No, I'm kidding. But uh, Scott is uh, a pharmacist, and he has to work every Sunday beginning at 11 o'clock, and he has a desire to be a part of this church family. He's been visiting for quite some time, and uh, appreciate we've had a couple of lunches together, and he is committed to go through our new members class, and we can work that out. And so I want you want to introduce our newest member to our church family, Scott Kaufman. All right? All right. God bless you. Appreciate it. All right. God bless you. And let me do the opening prayer this morning. I want to remind you that we have four of our own in Vietnam, and they are safe. They're going through immigration, I think, right now. So uh, praise the Lord. They are obeying our Lord's directives to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. They are uh, obeying Christ's words. I have other sheep that will enter this fold. And they're going after those sheep that will enter the fold, right? And they're joining with Miss Carolyn uh, McClure. And so just pray for them in the next... uh, You're really looking at a day and a half, two days traveling in. You're looking at six days. I think they'll be serving and then coming back. So it's around 10 days in all. So pray for Blake and Ronnie and Heather and Susan as they're over in Vietnam. Uh, Our director of, uh, executive director of the Missouri Baptist Convention asked us as churches to also pray for the disaster relief efforts in Florida. And we all join with that to pray for that this morning. Glad you're here and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Great God and Father, you are worthy. Uh, Lord, just like we've been singing, uh, thinking about Psalm 150, everything that has breath, praise you. And Psalm 95 reminds us to get low before you. That's what the word worship there means to, in essence, lick the dust of the earth before you because you're so highly exalted. And we recognize that, Lord God, that you are wholly other, and we can only approach you because of the Lord Jesus and what he did on Calvary to procure our salvation, Lord, to give us a righteous standing, to give us access to you, and what a blessing it is to call you our Father. And Lord, 
We um, ask that you would bless Blake and Ronnie, Heather and Susan. Lord, uh, give them good health this week. Uh, may you use their efforts to encourage Carolyn to uh, take the gospel into those villages that have not yet heard the gospel. Father, help them. And we also lift up uh, Floridians, Lord, uh, efforts from Missouri Baptists that will go down and others that will seek to serve you as they're serving others. And just pray for Governor DeSantis and all of Florida that you will bless them and help them recover. And again, we, we thank you for the blessings of life. And Lord, we realize that you gave, Lord, uh, an overabundance of rain in Florida. And Lord, they have to recover from that. At the same time, we pray for rain in Missouri. Lord, we know you control the weather and use it as a tool to accomplish your purposes according to Job chapter 37 and Lord God we ask that you would reign supreme and Lord speak to us today with a subject that is so incredibly important regarding obedience of children a leadership of parents may you prepare our hearts tender us to hear your word Lord uh, we pray that the, the gospel would have free course as well and we pray this in Jesus name amen uh, please be aware that uh, we have uh, connection cards in the back of the, or in the pew backs and also prayer cards. So fill those out uh, as you need to and turn those into the uh, offering plate or you can take those connection cards to the uh, connection area after the, after the service as well. We're going to do a song that we uh, did at One Banner last, last week, a song of my heart. And it just hit me this morning. I, I, I really wasn't thinking about the connection with... Brother Phillips' message, but there's one phrase in it, just like a child secure in the love of the Father. And dads, uh, we need to know the character of God, don't we? Because the greater we know the character of, of God, we can, we can use that as our example to be a father to our children, right? And uh, so, and, and certainly we are greatly secure when we know the Father. Let's uh, uh, worship together as the choir and orchestra shares this uh, song of my heart with you.
we just come before you now we pray lord that you and you alone uh, are the song of our hearts lord that you are number one and second is so so distant it doesn't even compare uh lord we pray that as we give to you our tithes and offerings that uh, uh, lord you would just reign supreme that uh you would guide us in our giving and that every dime given lord would go to further your kingdom and to honor your great name and it's in christ's name we pray amen
would you mind learning a, a new song with us? Yet not I, but Christ in me. This has some great, great statements of faith in it. It begins with phrases like, um, to this I hold. What do we hold to? Well, here's one. Um, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine. I can sing all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Here's another to this I to this I hold. My sin has been defeated. Christ now Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing. I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. It's all about him in, in us. Amen. Let's learn this song together. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold my hope only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine, I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side the Savior He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is to this I hold, to this I hold. My shepherd will defend me Through the deepest valley he will lead Oh, the night has been won And I shall overcome Yet not I, but through Christ in me I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he is raised to oh, On this I hold, we gotta stand. We just gotta stand. To this I hold.
Well, good morning. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and let's look together in Proverbs 4. You are just really shaken at this moment. But you're going to see why we're reading Proverbs 4 in just a moment. How many of you still live at home? Not, I'm talking about kids right now. How many of you still live at home, right? Okay. I'm preaching to you today. If your parents are still living, I'm also preaching to you today. I'm preaching to all the children today. I'm one of them. So are you. Listen to Proverbs 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, 
He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, which is wisdom, and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on you, on your head, a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. And Ephesians 6. You should know how to get there, right? Verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is righteous. It's the Greek word, but it is right. That's why it's translated. This is right. It can be righteous. Verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Exodus 20. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So, Ephesians 6 is help for children and parents. We should all pray that the Spirit of the living God would speak to our hearts today. That he would speak to us through his word. We had some preliminary preliminary implications, Uh, not last week, but the week before. Do you remember all four of those preliminary implications of reading Ephesians 6, 1 through 4? Let me reiterate those to you. One is that Paul saw the law of God as authoritative. And that's important for us to think about. He appeals to the fifth commandment. He believes that the law of God is relevant for the people of God. He doesn't believe that after you become a Christian, the law of God is nullified. He believed that Jesus actually fulfilled the law of God. And the moral code, moral law of God is still the very nature of God. And the fifth commandment to obey and honor your father and mother is still that command. Paul thought and believed it was authoritative. He also assumed that children would be gathered in the assembly to hear the word of God when it was given. Why? Because Ephesians is a letter. And the the mode and means of a letter was to be sent to a church. And the letter was to be read to the congregation out loud in the presence of the gathered church. And so Paul assumed that little children would hear this letter when it was read to the Ephesian believers. It was a direct address. And I find it fascinating that Paul will stop long enough to say, Children, obey your parents. He is directly addressing them. He assumed that you would not be gathered in a private room somewhere away watching Veggie Tales. He assumed that you would be hearing the word of the Lord. Okay, third implication. There is a relationship of children to believing parents as they gather in the church. What do we believe about that? 
Just because your mom and dad is a Christian doesn't mean that you are. Just because your parents come to church doesn't mean... Just because your mom and dad have made a profession of faith and following believers' baptism doesn't make you a believer. You must own your faith and trust Jesus yourself. Put your faith in Jesus. However, there is a privileged position for children as a means of grace when your parents are believers. Because young people, here's the deal. Your mom and dad bring you to church. You hear the gospel preached. You hear the word of truth. And young people, please don't take that for granted. It is a means of grace to you that your parents brought you to church today. You get to hear the word of God. And there are some implications there. 1 Corinthians 7 reminds us that even if there's an unbelieving spouse in the family, and yet one of them is a believer, the kids are sanctified. What's that mean? It doesn't mean they're saved without trusting Christ, but it does mean that you're in the sphere of influence of the gospel, of Jesus. Don't take that lightly. And number four, we learn that children need to be converted, can be converted, and they are filled with the Spirit of God when they are saved. And those are implications you need to think about as we arrive in chapter 6, verse 1. Why? Because we're still building on that fifth participle of result. Of being filled with the Spirit. What, it, what is the fifth participle of result? That if you're saved, there will be an, a, a mutual submitting to yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What does that submission look like? Wives, submit unto your husbands as to the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Slaves or employees, obey your employer. Right? That's what's going to be next in this statement. So I would say to you that as a general rule of thumb, Paul is addressing younger kids that are saved. I, I love this extra space up here. Y'all know this? I can get out here a little further. I feel like I'm preaching right to y'all kids. Right? As a general rule of thumb, he's addressing saved children that are still in the process of growing in the Lord. You're still at home. You're being trained by your parents. We can assume that. Okay? Y'all ready? That's all introductory. Uh, back on our outline. Children, obey and honor your parents. So let's start through this. Okay? This is presented as a duty. Young kids, are you listening? This is something you must do. Check it out. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It's not a choice among options. Are y'all listening? Let me get that on your level. It's not a choice between whether you will play blitz ball today or obey your parents. You don't get the choice. You're given an ultimatum. You're given a direct address as a duty to obey your parents. This duty is not a choice that you get to make. This is a duty that God has given you that you must do. That's the way it's presented, okay? Now, what does it mean that children are to obey and honor their parents? What does it actually mean? It says to obey your parents in the Lord. Here's what I found studying the original in the Greek. Here's what it means. It's not the same strength as wives submitting to your husbands. 
The Greek word here is stronger and it emphasizes more absolute obedience. Is that something you kids want to hear? Absolute obedience. And in the Lord actually modifies the verb obey. Wow, that, that's interesting for us to think about. What does that mean? Children, you are to present tense command. You are to not just obey one time and you're done. The, 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 English, the grammar is you obey continually in absolute obedience to your parents. Not a choice you're making between whether I should or should not obey. It is absolute. It's a command from God and it is to be done based on the present ongoing action always. Always you are to obey. This means it is not okay to say, I obeyed mom and dad yesterday. Today, since I obeyed four times yesterday, I'm going to do my own thing today. You kids listen to that? Right? I mean, it's not like you got brownie points yesterday for obeying five times, but today you can just do your own thing. That's not what this means. It's in the ongoing present tense action, and it is a command. The Bible says that you are to obey at all times. Now, again, some of you kids are thinking, what if my parents tell me to do something that is biblically wrong? Well, we're not dealing with that. We're assuming here that what they're leading you to do is right, okay? And they're leading you as your parents and telling you what is best. So there's never a time where it is okay for you to disobey your parents in the context of this. Here's what I've learned in raising four kids. Some of them are really sneaky. <laughs> they figure out who they can do lip service to. In other words, they can lip service to old dad because you know you can get away with it more with mom. That's, that's, that's often the case. And sometimes it's vice versa. Okay? My wife has a nickname, and she's doing extended uh, teaching care today in the nursery. But her nickname is Sarge. Tell the truth, Jesse. There's Jesse. He grew up in our home in Alabama. Now he lives in Ozark. He's a nurse. That was her nickname, wasn't it? From the time <laughs> Jesse was like 13 or 14, it was Sarge. And it's carried over here. Jeremy Hayward calls her Sarge. Because, I mean, it's like, you, I'm a little more passive. I'm a wimpy white male sometimes, not her. She's like, this is the way it's going to be, right, kids? This is the way it's going to be, and you got a nickname like Sarge, right? The Bible doesn't say, okay, obey the one that spanks harder. And try to get away with more with the one that doesn't. The command and the duty is to obey mom and dad. What does it mean to obey your parents? It means that you submit to them in everything. God has made your parents the authority in your life. And I'm glad God gave me Christian parents. I'm glad. For you to obey your parents means that by God's commands, He's told you that you must submit to their authority. You do what your parents say in all circumstances, even if they are not there to tell you what to do. Y'all loving this, kids? Even if they're not, not there to tell you what to do, to obey your parents in the Lord means that you obey them when they're watching 
And when they are not watching, you obey and submit to their authority because God has put them in charge of you. What does obedience look like? It's first-time obedience. It's first-time obedience. Obeying your parents after they've told you three times is not obeying your parents. Partial obedience is total disobedience. Delayed obedience is total disobedience. The kind of obedience spoken of here is first-time obedience. Your parents should not have to ask you twice. No objections from the kids? If your parent uses the old counting method, and you know they're not going to take it serious until they get to number five, the parent's not going to, right? And you're a kid, and you're not going to take it serious until it gets to number five, then guess what? You are breaking the fifth commandment. You are breaking the fifth commandment. God's requirement of you, no matter how little you are, is that you obey the very first time. You owe your parents first-time obedience. And that is what Paul means when he says, children, obey your parents. Notice what else Paul says. He says, in the Lord. I learned this in my life growing up. I got saved when I was nine. And I learned something. Obeying my mom and dad is part of my discipleship as a believer. And I say that at the verge of tears. Because young people, it is a sin against God not to obey your parents. And it is a sign if you continue down that road that you don't belong to Jesus. I'm telling you. If you can't start in your home with your parents, you will never obey God when it counts. I don't, I don't believe to this day that I will be preaching this sermon were it not for obedience to my parents. Because it taught me to listen to the voice of God. It taught me to be broken over sin. It taught me to listen when he called me to preach when I was 17. And I heard his voice. He didn't audibly speak to me. It was stronger than that. Because it was the word of God grafted in my life. Why? I wasn't perfect. I was a knucklehead. I sinned a lot. Right? Wasn't perfect. But God trained me under the authority of my parents to obey. And it changed my life. Look, don't forget. It's a part of Christian discipleship to obey your mom and dad. And I believe if God has regenerated your heart, your obedience starts in the home. If you belong to Jesus and the Spirit of God is controlling your life, then you can't, obey, you can't disobey without it bothering you. It will bother you if you disobey. So it's in the Lord. So this is ultimately a matter of obeying Christ. Right? Just as wives are to submit to their own husbands in the Lord, so children are to submit. But the Greek word is stronger with the command to do so. So, in the Lord means that you're rendering your obedience first to the Lord in Christian discipleship. Now, this is important. You know, we, we think about the Ten Commandments given on two tablets, don't we? We think about that, and there's some disagreement of whether it's actually on two tablets or concerning two words, whatever that might be. Here's what Jews believed. They believed that the first five were Godward. 
you know, sometimes we'll take commandments one through four and stick them on one stone and think, well, that's directed to the Lord vertically, but five through ten is more horizontal. Well, the Jews didn't do that. They put number five with the first four because they believed that obedience to your parents was obedience to the Lord. Does that make sense? So children, when you obey your parents, you are obeying the Lord. It is the Lord who has commanded you to obey. And again, if you never learn to obey your parents, you will never learn to obey God. God, for the present time, has set up your home so that your parents are a reflection. And when I say that, dim though it is, because we know we're sinners, right? As parents, dim though it is, God has done this for the good of your life. He's done this in a providential way. It's a matter of obeying God by obeying your parents. So I I worded the, the statement, obey and honor your parents. Before we hit the benefits or the whys, look down a little further in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. So we have two, right? Obey, and we have this word honor. Off the bat, what I would tell you is that it's possible to obey your parents without honoring them, but it's impossible to honor them without obeying them. Does that make sense? So, honor, interesting word, to attribute high status to someone by honoring the person. Okay, so we're following in this hierarchical, functional role of husbands and wives and children and God would have you to honor your mom and dad because of the position God has put them in that that's what's going on in this text so honor is more than obey but it's never less than obey the language in the scriptures for honoring your father and mother means that you are to love them respect them reverence them and Issue forth into corresponding obedience with it. You obey them because you love them. You obey them because you respect them. You obey them because you revere them as parents that God has sovereignly put over you. He could have given you other parents, but he didn't. He gave you the ones you have because he is sovereign and and providence ruled in such a way that you were born into your family. Remember it says, honor your father and mother. Not just one of them, but both of them. They both have authority over your life. Parents, remember, God has united you together as a partnership under God. He's put the two of you together. To respect or disobey mom is to disobey and disrespect dad. To disrespect dad is to dishonor or disrespect mom. Your parents are one under God and over you. Is there a huge lesson in this statement for us as parents? We must make an effort by God's grace and help to be united in our partnership when it comes to rearing our children. Right? Children sometimes know exactly how to divide and conquer. Don't they? Children come into this world as expert military strategists. (laughs) They can sense a weakness on the battlefront. That's why when you have a disagreement about how you're to raise your kids, I've learned this through experience, or how they should be disciplined or how they should be instructed, you don't have that conversation in front of them. You go and separate yourself and have this. Why? Because they will strategize and they will play on your weakness. Here's the law. 
you diss me as the dad, you diss my wife. If you diss the wife, you diss the father, right? There's a partnership. Fathers, we wear this, don't we? We need to be ashamed and we need to confess it as sin when our children disrespect our wives and we don't say anything. It ought to bother you just as bad when they disrespect your wife as it does when they disrespect you. Do we wear this sometimes? Yes. We need to be just as offended when she's disrespected as we are when we're disrespected. So the discipline for either offense, kids, if you disrespect either one of us, the discipline that's handed out should be commensurate to whichever one you do. It ought to be equal, right? So the Proverbs remind us that disobedient children that do not heed the instructions of their parents are fools. That's what it reminds us of. There is a way that ends up being a way of folly for children when they disregard that instruction. So there is not, there is wisdom, there is direction, and there is righteousness. God takes honoring parents seriously, doesn't he? He takes it seriously. Let me show you something over in Deuteronomy. Kids, if you've never seen this, you need to see it. If you haven't memorized Deuteronomy 21, then you need to turn there in your Bible. In other words, right? Deuteronomy 21. Parents, help your kids see this verse. Beginning in verse 18. 21-18. Does God take obedience of children to parents seriously? All right. Chapter 21, verse 18. Are you ready? Kids, are you ready for this? All right. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city and the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, I know what some of you kids are thinking. I am so glad I don't live under the old covenant. And rightly so. You better. Now, there are overtones of the new covenant where this would not take place. In other words, you need to thank God that you're in the age of grace. But before you do that, before you jump straight over to say, I'm glad we don't function that way today, I want you not to miss the point. The point is that God valued so much the honoring and the respecting and the obeying of parents that he implemented the death penalty for this kind of disobedience. I mean, that ought to get your attention. And think about this. It was so much so that the society of Israel needed them weeded out so that the people would not go astray. Do you think God cared something about honoring moms and dads? Do you think he meant something about generational influence in society? This was God's way of taking care of it. It was to get the evil out of the society. Is this a reflection on how kids should obey today? Well, yes. Is it a reflection on how you should listen to your parents? 
Every time you think about this to say, what I'm doing against my parents, if you flesh this out on and there's no obedience and there's, no, and there's total stubbornness that leads you down this road, think every time that you start down that road, what God used to do in Deuteronomy 21 was to institute the death penalty to get my kind out of the society. Wow. That makes you stop and think. Parents, listen at this point. We can be so casual in dealing with our children when they disrespect us and disobey us that we flagrantly are teaching them that God is not serious about how we're supposed to be treated. Can't we do that? We're not living as reflections of how God takes this seriously. In other words, I think that's why the, the, the proverb will remind us that a woman, who, a mother who will not discipline their children really hates them. Why is that? Because you're not taking seriously what kind of, dis, what kind of obedient, what, what kind of situation they can find themselves in and what kind of discipline God can give them. So it's important. It's important. If we won't take it seriously as parents, then how can we expect our kids to take it seriously? I get it. I'm wearing some of this, and so do you. We need to take it seriously. Just a reminder as well that there are tons of references for children to also reverence and respect those who have gray hair. Kids, look up here. Y'all see this? Yeah, it means something. Why? Because in the Bible... Every time you see something about gray hair, it commands respect. We live in an age where we make fun of older people. And it's wrong. It's wrong. The biblical perspective is that the gray hair in older age commands respect and honor. You obey this by treating your parents and those who are older with respect. When you do this, you're showing respect for life. Where did you come from anyway? Yeah, my mom used to say, I brought you in, boy, I'll take you out. Well, it wasn't that strong, but it was pretty strong. We are killing the future generation by abortion. We are killing, murdering the future generation by abortion. And we're relegating the elderly to the fringes. And pretty soon, if things don't change in our country... They're going to be killing the elderly too. Don't think, don't think for a moment that it won't take place. Euthanasia is already taking place in circles all around this world. And we're just a, a few decisions away from that in the United States of America. One generation must show the respect and honor to the previous generation because that's where they came from. It also shows a sign of wisdom. Your parents will always be wiser than you are. I'm telling you, they're your parents. And that's the way God has set it up. It's showing respect for wisdom. You are to show the love and respect for the faith that they've passed down to you. God cherishes the way that you treat your parents and the older generation because it says something about what's actually on the inside of your heart and what your thoughts are. The, to honor your parents and the aged show that we really do value the inheritance that they leave for us. So... This foolishness in our world and on our media and in our culture needs to be something that you guard your kids against. I mean, every show that we have shows the dad as an idiot. 
He has no idea what's going on in the world. or what. That's not what the Bible says. That's not the kind of reverence that we're supposed to give. So whatever generation you happen to be in, you are not the be-all and end-all. But that's the way it looks today, doesn't it? You know, when people make decisions, it's almost like decisions. It's almost like, because my generation is here. We've all arrived. And this is our world, and you're just walking through it. Really? No, it's not true. We want what we want, and that's all that matters. And this is what we're seeing in our world. The Bible tells us that this is not the way that you should live. You show respect and honor to those who have gone before you. You embrace the love and traditions and the faith they pass down to you. We recognize that in them, God has given you life. From them comes authority. In them, there's an inheritance and it is valuable. R.J. Rushdunny wrote in Biblical Faith this statement. The family inherits, inherits from the past in order to grow firmly into the future. Don't forget that, kids. Okay? This is why in Deuteronomy 28, God imposes curses upon kids, young people, that do not obey and love and serve their parents. What does God think about our world today then? Oof. Parents, again, portrayed on TV, that's not what the Bible teaches us. It's not funny. God takes seriously the honoring of fathers and mothers. All right, very quickly with the time we've got left, why should children obey and honor their parents? Number one, because it's right. Do you see it in the text? Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with verse one, I'm sorry. In the Lord, for this is right. And I know time is fleeting, but I want to remind you, Proverbs 1, 1 8 starts off that very way. Read it on your own time. Proverbs 1 8 reminds us of the call of God for us to listen to the instruction of our parents. When Solomon starts off, the wisest person who ever lived and teaches us how to live in this world, right out of the gate, he reminds children to hear a father's instruction and a mother's teaching. This is the way of wisdom. Kids, this is obeying your parents makes you wise. That's the connection. What kind of son or daughter listens to and accepts his or her father's discipline? It says the wise son and the wise daughters. One of the biggest sins that children commit is to think you're smarter than your parents. Any of you kids that are older, like 45 and up, 35 and up, you ever think when you were a kid you were smarter than your parents? Don't tell me you didn't because you did, right? Just a reminder... Mom and dad do know what they're talking about. And when you get about 25, you'll figure that out, kids. They really did know what they were talking about. Why not just go ahead and do yourself a service and obey what they say when you're little? <laughs> Don't wait till you're 25 to figure all this out. So the text reminds us that it is right. Proverbs 15.5 reminds us of the same thing. Don't turn there. Just listen for the sake of time. I'll get there faster than you will. Proverbs 15.5, just a reminder because we want to ground everything we say in the word of God, right? 15.5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent, okay? Colossians 3, which is the sister epistle to Ephesians, will say, Obey your mother and father in the Lord, for it is pleasing 
to the Lord. So that word right does mean righteous. Why? Because of wisdom that you get, but also because it is pleasing to the Lord. Kids, think about that for a moment. God always sees what you do. There's not a solitary thing that you think, feel, or do that God doesn't know it. And he's telling you that obeying your parents is pleasing to the Lord. It it is pleasing to him. Children who obey their parents do what is right in the sight of God. He does what is right, good, and pleasing to the Lord. So here it is. Why? Because it's right. Number two, because it's commanded. I'm not going to go back over to Exodus 20 verse 12. But it it is commanded there in the Ten Commandments to honor your father and your mother. It's repeated in Deuteronomy 5.16. And it adds more about long life on the earth. So Paul is bringing together two things. It may go well with you and that you may live long on the face of the earth. Can I give you one more? Because there is a great reward. It is right for you to obey your parents. It is commanded that you obey them. And because there is a great reward. Young people, look at this again. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. What does that mean? It means it's the first commandment with a promise, right? There's some scholars who argue about what he means by that. I think he means exactly what he's saying. All right, that it may go well. Look at this, kids. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. To go well with you means stability and discipline that's necessary for you to function in society. Are y'all listening? If you don't obey your parents, a generalization is you won't function too well in society. That's, that's the strength of this. So this is the first command with promise. The promise is long life. The promise is that you will live well. Now, kids, do you want to live a miserable life? Parents, don't raise your kids' hands for them. Because some of you are like, my kid must want to live a miserable life because he or she never listens and does not obey. Well, you can't raise your hand, but parents, listen. God says, here's my command. Honor your father and mother. Here's my promise that it may go well with you. Now, kids, listen. Doesn't mean it'll be trouble-free. Doesn't mean it'll be trial-free because I promise you if you're saved, God's going to give you trials. Because he promises he will. But God will bestow upon you a good and happy life before the Lord if you obey your parents. That's what this is saying. Here is the second part of the promise, long life upon the earth. How many of you kids want to live a long, well, happy life? I sucked you in. Obey your parents, right? Now, again, this is a universalized promise. Are there some children that die early that obeyed their parents? Yes. Yes. You understand? This is generalized as a promise. And why is that the case? Because children who grow up in a home where they obey and revere and honor mom and dad are a lot less likely to go down the road with all the vices of destruction. That's just common sense. You're not putting yourself in a situation. I mean, my heart breaks when I think about uh, we had deaths in my family this week, extended family, and young, and, and 
more than likely in those situations because of decisions they made or they didn't honor mom and dad. And you think about going down the road of vice and difficulty because you didn't. So, in other words, this promise is universalized past Canaan, right? The land they were going into was the land of Canaan. But this is extended out by Paul to everyone, no matter where you live. So what Paul is promising in a general principle says, when you live a life of obedience to your mom and dad, when you embrace their wisdom according to their instruction, in general, you will live longer and happier. Young people, you listen to this? In general, this is true. This is a revelation of a general purpose of God, and he makes it known in a normal course of the providential work of God how it will go for your life. Obedient children to their parents, as a rule, results results in prosperous and happy lives. Obedience to parents serves God's glory, but it also serves your good. This is what the text is telling us. So, I'll remind you once again, obedience to your parents will not be the only factor that determines your lifespan, but it will be one of the important factors that determines your lifespan. And you say, well, preacher, I know people who are 75 and 80 years of age, and I know they were hellions when they were young, and they're hellions now, and they don't care anything about the Lord. And they've lived a long life. Are they satisfied with that life? Are they happy in that life? I don't think so. Undisciplined children spell ruin for a nation and a society. Thus, the United States of America. That's the shape we're in today. Listen, the promise of God to reward obedience still holds true. God honors obedience. Okay? All right. Here's the end. Kids, do you find yourself breaking the fifth commandment over and over again? Do you find yourself saying, well, I want to obey, but there's something a little closer on the surface in this struggle And it says, I don't need to obey my parents. Y'all know what this is called? Sin. Kids, if you know that the struggle, if you sense the struggle to obey and to disobey, this is the law of God working in your heart and life. Okay? If you feel the turmoil and the struggle, it is a clear demonstration, kids, that you need the grace of God in your life just like we as parents need it. you got to be saved by grace through faith. This reflects a heart when you're convicted that is desperately wicked. It needs to be forgiven by grace, right? Through the Lord Jesus. You need the Lord Jesus Christ in your life as your Savior. Because if you are to ever submit to your mom and dad gladly and to the Lord, you've got to be made new. You've got to be made new. God has to take out that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh that's pliable. That's moldable. You need a new heart. That's why the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've come under the conviction that you hate disobedience, there's only one way for us to be different. And it's not to say, tomorrow I'm going to try harder. The only remedy is to have a new heart given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. To be saved. Turn to the Lord Jesus, children, and be saved. Older children... That's everybody else. If you're lost today, turn to the Lord and be saved. 
One of the first signs, kids, of saving grace in your life is that you will have a new desire to obey and honor your parents. You can take that to the bank. All right? Jesse sent me a text this week of a statement by Vody Bacham. And it was really good for this particular sermon. Now, some of you older people in here, when you think back upon your childhood, you've got memories of sins against your parents. Is that not true? We do. And here, you know, there's a sense where we forget those things which are behind so it doesn't keep you from moving forward in your walk with Christ. However, there's a sense we need to remember where we've fallen from. There's a sense where we need to remember grace and mercy and how God's changed us. Here's what Bodhi says. You can't have the memory of my sin. I won't let you take it. It reminds me of God's goodness to me. Oof. It reminds me of his grace in my life. It reminds me of where I was and where I never want to be again. It reminds me that his work in me may not be complete, but it's effectual. I'm not who I ought to be, but hallelujah, I'm not who I was. To God be the glory. Aren't you thankful for grace and mercy? Let's pray. Lord God, help us. Lord, help us. Father, when we look at this from your perspective, this is, a, this is an umbrella of God-given authority that exists because you are God and we are your people when we are saved. And thus husbands are to live in a certain way. Wives are to live in a certain way. Children are to live and respond to their parents in a certain way. Why? Because God, you are king. You are Lord. And Father, you deserve our obedience. You deserve our honor. And thus, among those you've put over our authority, as our authority, they deserve it in the Lord. And when we're obeying our parents, in essence, we are obeying you as our father. God, help us. If there are children here that need to be saved, Lord, I pray that you save each and every one of our kids. And Lord, for adults, Lord, let the past memory of those sins, number one, remind us that we've been forgiven and saved. But number two, let it encourage us along the way of how we should respond and things we should do, maybe differently. Lord, help us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Brother David. Let's stand and sing about this gift of grace. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, 
no fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overcome the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and evermore shall be. Oh, the chains are released, I can sing. I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. I like that song. Brother David, you can do that again, right? Because that's scripture. Not I, but Christ. This is Eric and Liz Ward, Jameson and Violet. I did it, buddy. How about that? I remembered. Well, they all three have, all four have trusted Christ. Violet is still waiting to be baptized, okay? Jameson is still waiting to be baptized. I baptized you. I remember that, all right? So their heart uh, desire is to be members here at First Baptist Ozark. Uh, they've already gone through the new members class, and we've grown to love them already and appreciate them greatly. And so we present them to you as the newest members of our church. Amen. To God be the glory. All right. I'll have you go back there with Bruce. I, I would have said Don, but you'd be better off with Bruce. Uh, <laughs> all the way to the back there. We'll greet you. Um, we're going to be preaching tonight from Hebrews 11. We're going to talk about... Uh, contentment and confidence in the Lord. Anybody need that with our economy? Yes, you do. So if you want to read ahead, look at Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6, we'll talk about that tonight. If nothing else, this is a sermon for the preacher. All right? And you need to hear it too. David is old. No. Uh, but David actually damaged his left shoulder and... Um, he wants to be able to play golf until he's 100. So, no, David is having surgery Thursday, okay? So he's going to be a one-armed... That's what I said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a minor surgery, right, David? But the only minor surgery is when it's on somebody else, right? <laughs> uh, seriously, they're going to fix some, some tears in his left shoulder. He'll be out maybe a week wanting to be back the next. Just pray for him. Uh, pray for Cammie. <laughs> she needs... Yeah, <laughs> Uh, we know how the help givers are because I've had a couple of surgeries and I know what my wife did for me. So <laughs> let's pray and we'll be praying for Brother David. All right. God bless you. God bless you tonight. <laughs> 